0: Hi, my name is tiffany bova welcome to this episode of the what's next podcast where i have the wonderful pleasure of welcoming natalie kogan to the show today she's a leading expert on emotional fitness she's an entrepreneur she's a best-selling author with her book the awesome human project she's a keynote speaker but what i love is she helps awesome humans live and work with more connection joy and meaning by sharing her science-backed skills and practices with hundreds of companies around the world and teams through her Happier at Work and Leadership programs. I can't wait to dig in because I feel like, what a great name, like Awesome Humans. So with that, I'm gonna welcome Natalie to the show. Welcome, Natalie.
1: Thank you, so
0: excited to be here and I can't wait to dig in either. Well, before we get into the Awesome Human stuff, we're gonna do something that I call bullish and bearish, nothing too painful. Three little questions. Bullish, you're for it. Bearish, you're against it. I may twist one of the last ones because I can't resist, but are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. AI drawing abstract art. Bullish.
1: Wow, love that. And I'm saying this as an abstract artist. I'm well aware. So I just want to go on the record. I love that.
0: Bullish. All right. Next bullish or bearish? NFTs. Bullish. Again, bullish. Okay. All right. This third one is gonna
1: throw you for a loop. Are you ready? All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Red Sox or Yankees? Oh my goodness. Listen, what you now you're gonna endanger my marriage? This is where we're going. <laughs> I'm married to someone who I live in Boston, used to live in New York, and I'm married to someone who has grown up in Boston. And if I say Yankees right now, we are done and I am moving into your house. So <laughs> Celtics all the way, baby. <laughs> all right,
0: all right. Well, we will take that uh, Red Sox answer slash New York.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take the ants strategy. Red Sox, Celtics, any any Boston team, all the way. Otherwise, I'm going to need to be moving in. All right. Let's start first. I I want to
0: just understand how you landed on the whole Awesome Human Project name before we dig into what it's all about? Because I think it's incredible.
1: Yeah. Okay, fun story. My agent always tells me this because this is my second book. My first book is called Happier Now. And my agent told me the title of the book, it's either immediately there and that's the main idea and boom, or you struggle. So the Awesome Human Project, total struggle. I knew what I wanted to say. I had the skills. I had the start but it had no container. You know what I mean? Like it didn't have like the, what brings it together. And I was getting pretty desperate. So I was working with this incredible woman, Claudia Boutot, to help me kind of envision the big message of the book. And she started to watch videos of my speaking, you know, me on stage, keynotes. And we were on Zoom and she's watching one and get on stage and I'm like, hello, awesome humans. I'm so grateful to be here. You know, and she goes what is this awesome humans thing you keep saying? I'm like, oh yeah, I've been greeting audiences like this for years, let's move on. She was like, no, 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 no. She said, what do you mean by awesome human? And I said, well, actually I'm pretty like specific about it. I said, I believe that all of us have this awesome capacity to be a force of good in the world. We're all here on purpose. We can all do something or create something that is good and meaningful. So we all have the awesome, but we're humans which means we have to honor our energy. We have to manage our energy. We have mental, emotional, and physical needs we have to take care of. We're going to screw up, and we're going to mess up, and we have to learn how to deal with failure. So we're awesome, and we're human. And as I'm telling her this, she's looking at the camera, and she's just looking at me and, like, not saying a word and smiling, and I go, what? She's like, that's it, right there. And I was like, oh, my God that's it right there. That's what I am teaching people how to do. I'm teaching skills to help people embrace their awesome human by learning how to honor the human so they can bring out their awesome. And that's how the title and the whole brand came about. And I've been greeting people like that on stage, Tiffany, for five years and never paused to think about it.
0: Sometimes it's the forest in the trees. (laughs) 100%, 100%. Absolutely. Okay. So now you've got the name of the Awesome Human Project. Yeah which I think is awesome. And I love in the book, your note to self, you are an awesome human, not a machine. You are not supposed to get it right all the time, mm. which I think is something we need to give ourselves permission on. But you have an awesome human checklist. You've got sort of five things that you want people to
1: embody. It's our manifesto of sorts.
0: Your manifesto. So let, let's go one by one. Let's Let's start with the first one. It's is the way I'm thinking about this causing me to struggle or move, right?
1: To struggle, to more. struggle yeah, more. yep. So, so this is kind of this that I was thinking, I thought you were talking about the manifesto. This is a very quick, this comes at the end of the book after you've done all the, the practices, but this is a checklist to help ourselves not get lost in struggle and to help ourselves in honor our humanness. So, The first one, yeah, we have to recognize that our brain, our wonderful, wonderful, useful brain only cares about one thing. It is not our success. It is not our happiness. It is not our well-being. It is our survival, which is wonderful. I like being alive. I enjoy it. But I mention that because our brain is always on the lookout for possible danger. And a lot of the thoughts that our brain gives us are rooted in fear. And we've all just lived through two years of the pandemic. We've all lived through horrible, ongoing uncertainty. And you know what your brain starts to do when things are uncertain. It starts to think about, oh my God, this isn't going to work out. What if this bad things happen? Oh, I have to have this difficult conversation at work. Oh my God, the other person's going to be so mad at me. Because it wants to help us survive, our brain always focuses on what could go wrong. Because it thinks that if it just thinks about all the things that are wrong with the world, with the situation, with ourselves... It can protect us from danger. And so a lot of the thoughts that our brain thinks cause us struggle, right? If you're sitting around and thinking about, oh, my God, this is never going to work out, or I'm not good enough at this, or this person's going to be mad at me, the only thing that's happening is struggle, right? You're in struggle. And so the first thing is to become aware, oh, this thought that my brain is giving me, it's causing me to struggle. Okay. And then that's, that's why it's the first part of the checklist. And to me, one of the core things I share in the book is you are the editor of your thoughts. Just because your brain gives you a thought doesn't mean we have to go along with it. And so from that point, when we become aware that, oh, thinking this way is just causing me to struggle, the question becomes, how do I edit this thought? What would be a thought that is more helpful in terms of moving forward?
0: And then I think that's, a, that's the lead to the next one, which is, is this fueling or draining? Yes.
1: And this is something, you know, it, it's one of those things where we have to recognize that this is why we're humans. None of us have unlimited energy, okay? No one is a superhero. I spent 40 years being called a superwoman and my ego loved it and then I burnt out. And no one here is a superwoman. We're all humans. We have a limited amount of energy, emotional energy, mental, physical. So we have to budget our energy. And this is something we don't think about enough. It's how I define the skill of self care. Self-care is a skill of fueling your emotional, mental, and physical energy. So whenever you're doing something or are thinking of doing something, maybe it's saying yes to a new project. Maybe it's taking up a new project. Maybe um, you're about to reorganize your closet. Maybe you're spending time picking out your outfit. You have to think about, does this fuel me or does this drain me, right? When you're going on social media or reading the second out, you've been on the news websites for two hours. Does this fuel me or does this drain me? And I think it's one of the most essential questions we can ask ourselves for our mental health, our emotional fitness, our well-being because we have to become intentional about managing our energy. And I would agree because
0: I can tell you, I travel a lot, like my energy level is high, people will say like she's got a lot of energy, does she, you know, and the, or the last, do you ever crash and burn? And I go, I am very clear on when I'm expending but then I'm also very mindful of, I have to refill the tank. If I go to a trade show and it's like nine to five and I am giving all day, like at the end and people are like, oh, let's go out. I'm like, I don't know if I have much more in me, right? Because I I have to recharge. Mm -hmm. All right. So the next one, if it's, is this uh, fueling or draining is, is this thought helpful?
1: Yeah. And this is continuing from, is this thought making me struggle? So again my book and my work is all about helping people improve their emotional fitness the way that i define emotional fitness is very simple it is creating a more supportive relationship with yourself your thoughts and your emotions and other people so just like things we do either drain us or fuel us thoughts we think are not free when you think thoughts that are and this isn't by the way about being positive all the time or ignoring your negative feelings It's about recognizing that our thoughts are not free. So I I grew up, I'm a Russian Jewish immigrant. I come from a tradition of, you know, in my family, you always thought about the worst case scenario. Nothing is ever going to work out. Everything is going to be difficult. Well, is that thought helpful? Or, you know, I do a lot of work with leaders, a lot of work with women leaders. When we think thoughts of I'm not good enough you know, I'm not going to be able to get this done. Is this thought helpful? Is this thought going to help you do the thing you're doing? So to me, this is all about becoming aware of the thoughts that our brain gives us and becoming again, the editor of our thoughts, choosing thoughts that help us to be better, help us to do the things we care about and editing the thoughts that get in our way. Yeah. Listen, they don't pay rent. (laughs)
0: your head right but you may pay them rent like kind of a thing if they sit there too long. all right we do we do yeah, yeah. okay so and I think the this the the next one is am I treating myself as I would treat a friend mm. and I think this is so simple right and and I feel the same way when people especially on social media right giving all that energy is it is it fueling or draining you? is it causing you to struggle and then you know are you saying something that you would say to a friend? right? And, and if you wouldn't say it to a friend, or you wouldn't say it to a loved one, like, you know, maybe, maybe
1: uh, don't say it. Well, this is what we're getting to the core of self-compassion, right? Um, self-compassion is all about recognizing that you're a human being, which means you cannot be perfect, which means you will mess up and screw up. And the way you treat yourself is with a desire to reduce suffering, which is how we treat friends, right? If you think about it, if your friend messes up, Or they make a mistake. Do you berate them? Hopefully not. Do you withhold your love from them? Never. But we do this to ourselves all the time. And so, this really simple question Am I talking to myself the way that I would talk to a friend? is an invitation to shift from self criticism, which does not help us do anything, which helps us to shift from that self harshness, which only drains our energy into that place of self compassion, which is not about saying I'm perfect, but it's about saying, Hey, I'm a human being. All right. I screwed this up. What can I learn to move forward? Or this isn't working out for me. Okay. How can I support myself to move through it? And it's a really essential shift.
0: Well, there's so much underneath that, right? Where you have to become very self-aware. I think first and foremost, to be even to have that conversation with yourself that like, Well, you have to be aware that you're having a negative talk track. You have to be aware that you're not forgiving yourself. You have to be aware you're not recharging yourself. Like you really have to start to give yourself that five or 10 minutes or however much, which I'll ask you in a second, you know, how much time a day, right. You really want to put towards this. All right. The last one in this awesome human checklist is what is one thing I could do right now to move forward?
1: And this is the shift from awareness, which I love that you brought up, because if you think about the first four in this checklist are about awareness, they require awareness. You have to be aware that you're draining your energy, that your thoughts are not helpful, to then shifting into action. So you've become aware that you're thinking thoughts that are unhelpful. Okay, what is one thing that I could do to move forward, right? So instead of thinking, this is not how it should be, I am not how it should be, the world is not how it should be, this person is not how they should be. Can you say, this is how it is, awareness, clarity. What's one thing I could do to move forward? It is a completely different mindset, and it's a mindset of possibility and having control, focusing your attention on things you can control.
0: And I think, you know, there was uh, uh, this Twitter conversation I was having a number of months back around, you know, instead of doing just to-do lists, which can be overwhelming, right? Like, what is the one thing? Oh my God, where do I even start on, on what we're talking about? Let's, let's keep it focused on what we're talking about. But to also balance that with like a to done list, right? Like Mm -hmm. the things you've actually done, like, Mm -hmm. well, I sat and reflected today, check, you know, I, Mm -hmm. you know, turned off that negative talk track, check. I gave myself permission to, you know, forgive myself, check, whatever it Mm -hmm. is like to really give a to do and a to done. And so, I think that intuitively, I would guess, because you've done a lot of research on this, intuitively, I'm guessing that people understand what you're talking about. Like intuitively, you get it. Like, of course, I don't want to talk negatively to myself all day. You're like, no kidding. That's no fun. But yet I do, <laughs> you know, or I don't forgive myself. Why not? And it, maybe it even works then you're. it even makes you feel worse about it, right? And so how how do you start to navigate that shift in your brain? Because your brain is a powerful little engine.
1: Yes, it is. And uh, it's like any habit. If we've spent our whole lifetime, as I did before I burnt out, criticizing ourselves, it's not going to be something that we can just change. The way that you shift is by practicing. This is why I talk about all these as a skill, just like, how do you learn a new skill? How do you become a better writer, a better runner, a better cook, right? These are all skills. Well, the way you do it is not by thinking about it, right? It's not by criticizing yourself for not being good at it. You just start practicing. Intuitively, you know, I work with hundreds of thousands of people every year and they tell me, yeah, my God, when I just pay attention to the way that I talk to myself, it's awful. I would never talk to, it's awful, but it just seems to always do. I said, okay. So start with awareness when you become aware that this is how you're talking to yourself, pause, be grateful that you notice because that's a huge first part, and then reframe what you just said as if you're talking to a friend, and keep doing that over and over and over and you know what, this is how we build skills, we build them by doing these small little practices and the more we practice the shift. The more intuitive it becomes. But I think it's really important to say these are not hacks, these are not five-minute solutions. I hate all that BS because any real shift in our behavior and how we treat ourselves requires this kind of lifelong practice. The good news is, it's not hard to practice, and it feels good when you do it.
0: Absolutely. And I think that you know, I think that in this self-awareness conversation, and I'm speaking specifically in professional lives like let's just sit at work for a second, that many people don't actually notice how they speak to others in work, right? So now all of a sudden the self-awareness of, well, I am speaking like I speak to other people. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) But they're not actually aware of the fact that the way that they're speaking to other people at work is not good either. Well, this
1: is the thing we have to realize, okay? And this I think is really, really important. We, and this is a huge mindset shift that I have made, you know, we see the world as me and then others, right? And we think those are separate. They aren't. The way that you treat others is rooted in how you treat yourself. It's connected, and if you're, for example, there's a lot of research that shows that if you are more compassionate with other people, it actually helps you to learn better self-compassion. So it goes both ways. So I think it's really, really important to recognize that we're not in these bubbles we think we're in. Right? Oh well, I can I can treat myself a certain way, and that I'm different way with other people. No, it's all connected, and so it it does come out, come down to being really, I don't know, courageously aware of what is your relationship with yourself and recognizing that that relationship is at the root of how you treat others. I have never met, and I have worked with many people, I have never met a self-compassionate person who is an asshole. Never. But I've met a lot of people who are very critical with themselves, who put themselves through a lot of struggle, who think very little of themselves, who are bullies who are rude to others, and again, it, it's not an excuse, but it is rooted in their inner being. And so, to me, the, to become—if you want to become a more compassionate person and more understanding person—it has to begin with how you treat yourself. It is not selfish to focus on your relationship with yourself first. It's the only way.
0: And so, I, you know, I've heard a lot of, and, and I know you don't like hacks. So let me let me just start <laughs> there because you just said that. But, you know, it's kind of like that daily affirmation. Is there affirmations? Is there ways that you can start to change that conversation because of what you just said? Like, you know, I'm worthy of it, or I have to find my no, I have to find my boundaries. Like, say no to three things today that you normally would say yes. Like, I don't know. I'm making these up on the fly, right? But something, is it on your mirror? Is it on your drive? Is it you... I really do, now we're in a, a bit of a water shortage in Los Angeles, so I don't do it as much as I used to, but my my shower thoughts were like my greatest thoughts. Huh. I'm just in this relaxed state of whatever comes to my mind, I just let it come to my mind and I think through it. And then literally I get out of the shower and I'm like, okay, here's five things I just thought of. You know what I
1: mean? Yeah. <laughs> but First of all, there's a reason for that. When you're in the shower, this is why rest and breaks are so important. When we rest or take a break, shower is a break because you don't have to focus on how to take a shower. The default network in your brain comes online. And this is the network that comes up with creative solutions, comes up with solutions to problems. So there's science to what you're saying. But I was just looking. All right. Here are, I posted this on social the other day but because I wrote this down. Five things you should say to yourself every day. Here we are. All right. You're, you're a being, not a doing. You can't give what you don't have. What happened before this moment is done. Start where you are. You don't have to be the same today as you were yesterday. I care about you. And I want to tell you where these came from. So my daughter is graduating from high school in a couple weeks, actually next week. Oh, my God. And is going to college. And I can say this to you because she's not at home. Um, I am working on this uh, project where I I'm known in my family because I'm a speaker, right? So I don't know how to shut up. Um, So I give a lot of pep talks and TED talks. You know how there's like, as a parent, you turn everything into a teachable moment. I turn everything into a pep talk. So it's like this joke, but she loves them. And it's like been our thing. So I am writing her a book of Mama Mia pep talks. Her name is Mia. And I was thinking about what are five, what are things I want her to say to herself every day? And these were the five that I wrote. And I think that they are universal. And if we all could say these to ourselves every single day, we would shift how we treat ourselves and we would be more open to seeing the good in each other. That is amazing.
0: I love that. She will cherish it forever. It's those little things. So Um, she'll look back on this 30 or 40 years from now, she will always remember that. So what a a great gift. If you are listening and you're like, wow, I don't have somebody who would give me that or share that with me or sit next to me on this journey, you know, that having this sort of people around you to support you in this case, right? In in this example you just gave, your daughter has you as, as her mom, right? If you're in a work environment, is it really helpful when you have a connection, you know, at work that can be that person that's going like, Hey, you know, you're doing a really great job. Don't be hard on yourself. Or, you know, you said this and, you know, that's not what I see at all. I see this, you know, and so really creating that kind of psychological safety in your surrounding support group, if you will. And I don't mean that in a Actual way, right? But you're kind of your tribe, right? The tribe that hangs out, that you hang out with, whether you work with them or don't, but they're your go tos when you're really struggling. But how important is that in this journey?
1: So it's a great question. You know, when I began and my journey into all of this began after I completely burnt out and had a total breakdown, and I, I really had to learn how to be a human being from scratch. I didn't really have the tribe. I just want to be really open about that. But I also don't think we can do all this alone. So the first person who helped me became my teacher. Her name is Janet. I write about her in the book. Uh, somebody connected me with her and she became my spiritual teacher for a couple of years. Thank God she didn't use that word. I No, no part of me was ready to say spiritual. at that <laughs> time. I was like, I mean, what is this BS? But she was smart. And then it was really meaningful for me to have the implicit and open and loving support of people like my husband and my daughter and a close friend. And it took me time, I should just say that, to be open with them about what I was going through. So to me, the message that I'd love to share is you don't need a tribe. Start by finding one person because one person is great. If you can find one person who can be open and supportive of your journey. It's a really great start. Don't put the pressure on yourself to find a tribe. One person is really meaningful. Yeah. And
0: and I will tell you, I, I, um, I call it that my orchestra of the, uh, uh, you know, of the symphony of my life uh-huh. that like, I, I have drummers and I have trumpet players and I have guitar players and I have, you know what I mean? Like, and they, And when they're all together, right, that's sort of my orchestra, my tribe. But I may, one day I might really need a drummer. Like I really need this person to like step up and like (laughs) straighten me out, right? Where I might need someone who's a little softer in the delivery. I need the violin for that day or whatever it might be. But I've kind of accumulated them over time in an informal way. I mean, I think to your point, you know, many people go, I don't have a mentor or I need a mentor. And it's a lot of pressure to find the one person. Um, I like... I like accidental um, uh, sort of or instruments in my orchestra. Some are louder, some are not. And and I think that that has served me well to have those people that can say, you're an awesome human and I know you're better than whatever it is you're doing or you're an awesome human, good on you, this was great or you know whatever it might be. So, And I think I, I can tell you, I get a lot of asks for, hey, would you be my mentor? I'd love mm-hmm. to spend some time. And I'm I'm always very cautious of that because I feel like they're they're really, like, they feel like that's what's missing um, instead of looking for that casual member of your tribe, right, or your orchestra, whatever you want to call it, to really help you be the best, most awesome human you can be.
1: Which on some days is just the human part. I just want to get that in there. Like, I think we have to give ourselves an opportunity to just be human some days and not be the awesome. And I think it's important to have someone in our lives who will tell us that that's okay.
0: know, oh, yeah, Well said. Well said. It, look, as we sort of come to the end of this conversation, which has been great. So thank you, Natalie, for joining us. Um, and again, if you uh, didn't catch it at the beginning, she's got a book. Natalie Kogan's got a book out, The Awesome Human Project that you need to check out. It's sitting on my desk. What do you think, what would be the one thing knowing you went into this and you've been talking about this for a long time that surprised you in the last couple of years and what we've been dealing with? Like if you reflect back on the awesome human project Mm. and you say, wow, the last two years, I really nailed this, or I would have said this a little bit differently, learning and seeing what I've seen over the last two years. What, is there anything you would change or add?
1: Yeah. It's a great question. You're the first person to ask me that question. I love Ooh. that. I've done like a hundred podcasts, 200, 300 podcast interviews since the book came out. I love that Tiffany. Thank you for that. I probably would have spent more time in the book talking about learning how to do less, which is A revolutionary thing for me to say, because I spent, I just posted this on Instagram and it was like the most popular post I've ever done. Like on all social networks about how I am 46 and until I burnt out, I spent my whole life doing more, wanting more, a better job, a better company, be better at this, do more of this. And even after I burnt out and I completely went into a different place, like over, you know, the last two years of the pandemic, I did 300 virtual talks, 300. In two years, I did leadership programs. I wrote a book. And in the last couple months, I have realized how exhausted we all are. And I'm not saying this like a eureka, I knew it before, but I think, kind of like running, when you run the race, you only realize how tired you are when you're done. Um, And I wish I spent more time in the book talking about ways that we can learn how to focus on what's truly meaningful to us and actually do less of other things. And what does that require? What conversations with ourselves that requires? Because I think that in addition to the pandemic, we're also in an epidemic of busyness and stress. And I wish I spent more time talking about how to find ways to do less because I am feeling this overwhelming exhaustion in myself and in others.
0: So I'm right there with you. I did 300. I did a little more than 300. Crazy, no?
1: Right? I mean, when you say it, it's like, you're lying, but you're not. But you're like, wait, that can't be. That means we talked all the time, but we talked all the time. I think think one
0: day I did five, literally, you know, because I caught all time zones. And I just changed my Uh jacket. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, it was more exhausting for me doing that than actually traveling and doing it in person. Because you have to give so much more. Oh, my God. Anyway, we can talk about that. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. Well, fair. Well, I'm glad I asked you a question that no one else had asked you. I mean, yeah, you know, I love it. I love when I, Thank that you happens. for
1: that. Thank you. All right.
0: That. Well, so how can everybody be human, be more of an awesome human, get involved in the movement, take these small steps, get the checklist. What do you suggest?
1: Yeah, so uh, NatalieCogan.com. If you go there, there's lots of things. There's a handout that you can download with the five emotional fitness skills. There are videos. You can also go to my YouTube channel, like little short videos to help you practice these things we've talked about. I'm pretty biased, but the book is pretty awesome. Grab the book and you can just start with one thing or two things. And the most important thing is that you begin. That's the most important thing. Just one thing, one step. If you did a little practice every day to embrace and honor a little bit of your humanness. That's huge.
0: And give yourself a little grace. I'm going to put a little X at the end. of Always. That. Always. All right. All right, Natalie Kogan, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the what's next podcast. It has been a pleasure, um, you know, speaking with you, getting to know you a little bit better. So I am so thankful that you decided to join us here today.
1: Well, thank you for being such an awesome human. My pleasure and my honor.
0: I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Natalie as much as I did. So many little nuggets of wisdom. I hope that you take one thing away from that conversation and make small little changes every single day. You'll be amazed and surprised at how far you come over the course of a year. Don't forget, you can't give what you don't have. So make sure you spend some time, reflect, collect your tribe together, be grateful for all the things that we've got in front of us, and how exciting these times are. Don't forget to tell your friends, share, subscribe. I appreciate you spending time with me here today on the What's Next podcast, and I'll have you join us next time. Thanks so much, bye-bye.